Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We have Ricky Horton coming up in the next segment. Dave Murray headlines Think Tank with Steve Elman and Alvin Reed. I'm going to do some audio here. I have in front of me the best horror movie from every decade since the 1930s. Want to hear them? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> 1930s, Dracula. No surprise there. Although Nosferatu screwed me up. Still does. Mm-hmm. Man, I think that was the 20s, though. Uh, 1940s, The Wolfman. 1950s, House on Haunted Hill with Vincent Price, which has the single scariest scene ever. So it's it's the most classic haunted house movie of all time. And there are these old people who are the housekeepers and they're real creepy. And the old lady has like white eyes. And at one point she floats, doesn't walk, floats across the room towards him. Mm. And everything I have went numb when <laughs> I was like 10 and I saw that. And I saw it again a couple of years ago. I'm like, well. Oh. I'm going to conquer this fear. (laughs) It scared me even worse. 1960s, Psycho. The 1970s, Halloween. The 1980s, The Thing. Love that movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, Come on. The 1990s, Scream. Uh, I mean, it was good in its time, but it's not... I don't know. What, what were the '90s just a bad run for horror movies? I don't know. Yeah, what else would it be? Yeah, a lot of campy stuff was in the. 90s, yeah, that's a good point. I mean? The 2000s, American Psycho. Yeah, that's good. The 2010s, The Conjuring. And yeah, I haven't seen this movie yet. Uh, I've heard a lot about it though. The 2020s X. I haven't seen that. Oh, X was great. Yeah. What's it about? Uh, it's about a porno shoot, right? Yeah, it's about like a group of for people real? who go. No, for real. It's about a group of uh, like aspiring pornography filmmakers that go to a farm to try and film some pornography and, and <laughs> chaos ensues. <laughs> this sounds like about it. the way he he's, says that he's word. He's popping yeah. the pu- He yeah. really is. Pornography. Pornography. Uh, you say it terribly. What? Uh, Exorcist wasn't on the list? That's a little surprising. What's that? Was Exorcist, Exorcist not on the list? No. That would have been the 70s. Yeah, I was a little what, surprised. What, to what, chose that, what got chosen over that? Mm, Halloween. Oh, no. Halloween's not. Uh, agreed. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what's the audio today? Uh-huh. Uh, Dave, uh-huh. you have two pieces of audio here. They're about a preacher. Do you want to play these? I haven't heard that one. I just know the story. Uh, but we, we can take a listen. This is a, a minister who, like so many big church ministers, is snake oil salesman. And he's picked out a plot of 100 acres that God wants him to buy. But the devil 
has already sent someone who's made an offer of $3 million. And so he wants the congregation to give him $3 million cash so he can beat the devil. Are you ready? So I found this land that's acres upon acres of land, and it's already developed. I could, we could step right in today, and I could put a tent up right now. And I knew it the minute I kind of hinted about it that the devil was going to try to steal it, because that's what he does. And here's the deal. The asking price for the land. Are you ready? They want $3 million for it. $3 million. But he's got financing, so he really doesn't have a cash deal. So you know what I want to do? I want to do something, and I want to walk into that man and into his, his real estate agent, and I want to put it right down on the table and say, here's $3 million. I'm serious. What about this other guy makes him think that it's the devil working through him? <laughs> Mm. That's a little unfair. I mean, if you're just <laughs> yeah. why, okay, why don't people just stand claim? up and walk out? What am I missing? Look, I was very religious for many, many years, but I wasn't stupid. Had 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 someone said something mm. like that while I was going to that church, I would have. I swear to God, I would sit up and said, "I, I think I see the devil," and and he's talking into a microphone right now. He's he's successfully convinced them that. The money's not for, uh, uh, as he said, not on, on the film, but as he said, like, it's not for me, it's not for you, it's not even for the church, it's for God, and he was able yeah, to God needs 100 them. developed acres. Yeah, uh, God needs if, 3 if, mil. If God wants him to have 3 million, couldn't he just give it to him? Well, he's giving it to him through the congregation. Why, but aren't, yeah. God has no other ways? <laughs> I mean, he's I God, know. right? He made everything. He does. He knows everything. Cut, th- cut a check. I think to answer your question about the people sitting in the audience, I think that they've bought into, I'm not saying their faith is a fantasy, not by any stretch of the imagination, but they've bought into the fantasy of if I just go along with what this person says, good things are going to happen. Mm. I'm telling you, in politics and in religion especially, beware one person. When things go really bad, it's typically traced back to one human. One very charismatic, charming, brilliant, evil person. Jim Jones. Just You can go down the list. Mm-hmm. What else we got? What else do I have? Uh, you have more audio from the same preacher if you'd it's like to It's just uh, the aftermath. What happened after he failed to raise the... Oh, I haven't heard this. Let's hear it. It was to the point on Labor Day last Monday, I was spending most of the day praying in, in tongues. And I couldn't get it out of my spirit. Well, we contacted, uh, you know, and they needed $3 million. They needed it now. They wanted it now. They wanted a fast closing. Anything that's rushed and you're not allowed to do due diligence because it's rushed is not a good deal. And I didn't like the feel of that. And that's why I couldn't shake it out of my spirit. So we'll just see what God does. But in the meantime, we have options that are better. And we said we would start a land fund. And that's what we did. So you ready? I'm just so excited to tell you how well you did. This is like a record. Are you ready? One million three hundred thousand dollars came in in one week. So God, God only has to come up with two. Now we got a war chest, and I'm telling you, when you have a war chest like this, let's. You know what? Can we believe God for two million? Yes. Let's believe for two million. So keep giving. And I tell you, because it'll put us in a better position because I am going to get as much acres upon acres upon acres of land that I can. 
So rushing into something is something God wouldn't want him to do, but hurry up and give me your money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Keep, go ahead and go ahead and keep giving, even though we didn't make it to the this land, but maybe I we'll hate those people so much. I, it, not the, not the, not, not the congregants, not the members, because they're being taken advantage of. But those preachers, I, I, I don't know how any of that's legal. I know it is because it's it's religion and it's you got to stay out of that. I get it completely and I agree with it. But God Almighty, they're con men. It's literally all it is. They're give me money because God wants your money to be in my pocket. It makes me really feel for the the people who can't tell the difference, right? Between like a, in this situation, an honest. An honest person who's trying to, you know, all share in the word of the Lord and then somebody who's conning them and taking advantage of them like this guy is. I just I don't I don't know how to help people tell the difference. You know what I mean? I saw a TikTok the other day of one of these preachers who (laughs) was talking about like they don't make the kind of suits I sell at Macy's. So he was raising money from his congregation so he could buy like Armani and Louis Vuitton and all this stuff. It's like. Uh, once you start getting into God wants me to have this certain brand name, like uh, it's pretty messed up. What else we got? Um, so I have Kevin McCarthy announcing that they're going to introduce articles of impeachment against Joe Biden. You know, in the months that we were gone, in the weeks, House Republicans have uncovered serious, incredible allegations into President Biden's conduct. Taken together. These allegations paint a picture of a culture of corruption. Now, here's what we know so far. Through our investigations, we have found that President Biden did lie to the American people about his own knowledge of his family's foreign business dealings. Today, I am directing our House committee to open a formal impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden. Oh, so an impeachment inquiry. Sorry, I missed represented what that was but that that's coming i think we all kind of saw it coming they've been talking about it for a while and it just kind of seems like that's what we do to each other now so mm-hmm. i'm not surprised that this is happening i am interested to see what kind of evidence that they dig yeah, up. yeah i'd like good let's see what you got because if there's something there we should know about it i agree but i just hope and wish that we could pull out of this loop <clears throat> you know Anyway, what else we got? Uh, Wheels, what do you want to play? I know, which ones do I have still there? It says Eric Adams, Hobbies. Let's do the uh, Eric Adams one because this is interesting. So this is the mayor of New York City, um, which has declared itself a sanctuary city for immigrants. And they talked a big talk about, you know, bring them here, blah, blah. And now uh, the mayor's not singing that tune. And let me tell you something, New Yorkers. Never in my life have I had a problem that I did not see an ending to. I don't see an ending to this. I don't see an ending to this. This issue will destroy New York City. Destroy New York City. We're getting 10,000 migrants a month. One time we were just getting Venezuela. Now we're getting Ecuador. Now we're getting Russian speaking coming through Mexico. Now we're getting uh, Western Africa. So he basically said later on in that clip that basically we're just going to have to start cutting almost every service we have in the city because it's it's breaking us, like budgetarily. And 
it's fascinating because look, the immigration is one of the great debates. We it's and I think a legitimate one, right? That needs to be handled properly, humanely, probably more importantly than anything else. But I think there's a lot of fair criticism of him in that he's like, okay, look, we will be a sanctuary city. We're going to be open to everybody. And now here he is a couple of years later saying, yep, this is going to ruin our city. We're done. Uh, maybe he has said this, but I would have a lot more respect for him if he said I was wrong. Yeah, I haven't seen that. That would I would I would have a lot of respect for him if he said, "Look, I ran on this and I believed it with all my heart and soul, but the reality of it is really breaking us, and I was wrong, and we need to do something different." You don't hear that very much. That's correct. And that when you when you watch the full video, the full video clip that I had was about two and a half minutes. He doesn't say in there, "I screwed up, I got this wrong, our policy was wrong, our idea." None of that. It's just this is going to ruin us. I think we're learning. During this uh, regression stage I've talked about, I think we're we're learning lessons. And I think one of them, uh, there are two primary ones that I'm taking away from the last few years. One is uh, you can have your heart in the right place, but being soft on crime only leads to more crime. Come up with come up with better solutions. But when you take away the quote unquote strong arm of the law and make it all about social workers, guess what happens? Your city falls apart. I think we've learned that here. We learned in San Francisco. We learned it in New York. We're learning it all over the place. Good idea. Hearts in the right place doesn't work. And the other one is hyperpartisan. Uh, can you believe we're facing another uh, shut the cover the government down thing again? Right? Like this, the hyper-partisan way that we're doing things isn't working. It doesn't work. Like like Mayor Adams said right yep. there, it's not working. It's going to kill us. And I believe, and it doesn't mean we have to be a bunch of wussies, but what we're doing now just isn't working. Yep. 323, Rick Horton joins us. Hey, Rick. Hey, Dave. How are you? Good, buddy. So last night wasn't a great example, but uh, before last night, the cards have been looking good, playing good baseball, a lot of fun, and especially the bullpen looking kind of sharp. Yeah, it's been a good road trip, actually. The Cardinals 4-3 and three on a road trip into uh, cities that you think maybe they're going to have a hard time winning. And, of course, Baltimore, one of them. Baltimore has the best record in the American League, Atlanta the best record in the National League, and yet the Cardinals took two out of three in Atlanta. And we'll see what happens tonight with Adam Wainwright. But, uh, yes, uh, yesterday was not good. A lot of things uh, did not go their way. They kind of had the lead there for a bit, and then they just kind of yeah. let it slip away. So everybody all the time is fighting to keep their job, but who especially would you say in the lineup now for the for the next month or so is really fighting to be on that starting roster in 2024? I think that's more about the pitching than it is the uh, the hitting. I think, you know, you look at the hitting numbers, and, and they're right up there kind of with the the top four or five in the National League. And you actually, I looked at the Cardinals lineup to yesterday related to the Baltimore Orioles lineup. They've won 90 games, but they, you put the lineups next to each other, you say, well, Cardinals aren't much different, really, and they're not they're not really about the same level of depth, too, but the pitching's got to change, and, and I think it's opportunities for guys on the pitching side that they uh, need to show something the next three weeks and, and get back on the radar. Yeah, you're right, Rick. I mean, if you look at most measures, whether they're regular ones or advanced ones, the Cardinals are top 10 in almost all categories in, in all of baseball, not just in the National League. Um, the thing that I think is interesting is how they go about getting back to being a stronger defensive team because the defensive numbers have slipped since last year. 
Yeah, they have, but they've been better, Kevin, in the second half. So that, mm-hmm. I think that's the good positive point. thing. You know, the, the play that Arenado made yesterday was ridiculously good. There was a ball that was hit over the head of Dakota Hudson, and he came out of nowhere. They ran in between two infielders and Hudson and kind of just flew right through him and made a play that was actually very key at the moment at the time. And and I just don't think there's any third baseman that make that play. He's a good decision maker. You know, the Cardinals certainly miss Brendan Donovan. He's mm-hmm. a gold glover that's not playing. And Tommy Edmonds playing gold glove center field. You know, Ali Marmo does believe that if Edmond were to stay as a center fielder, I don't think that's – it might not happen. It might. But if he stayed as a center fielder, he'd be a gold glover. What if I threw that out there? That was one of the things, actually, that we were talking about before the show, Andrew and I, about Tommy Edmond, yeah. who's obviously a great player, and he's a good player pretty much anywhere you put him. Gold Glover at second, solid at short. But if Mason Wynn makes the team next year, he probably would only do that if he's playing regularly. And you've got Gorman and Donovan, although I'm not sure exactly what the timeline is on Donovan. But might that be a regular spot for Edmond next year? Yeah, I think it could be, and I think you could still say that he and Donovan could still be the platoon guy that kind of give people a rest and kind of play all over the place. It's nice to have two guys like yeah. that. That, and it's only good to have two guys like that if they're good at those positions. I mean, anybody they can say say they can play everywhere, but you got to be good at it, and they both are. So I think that's a plus. And, and you know, I mean, who knows? You know what kind of deals the Cardinals are going to make during the offseason. I think the kind of the makeup of the team is yet to be determined. I think what happened at the uh, end of August was just step one. Those are John Mozeliak's words. And mm-hmm. so uh, come December, I think we're going to see some more changes. The, the great part of this too, Rick, is kind of the, the waiting game. And it would seem like the biggest area to change is the outfield, right? I mean, the infield yeah. is pretty much across the boards, if not set. At least you have lots of options, but not too many. We're in the outfield. You have to sort through Carlson and Walker and Newt Barr and what do you do with Alec Burleson and how does the DH play into that with Donovan and Gorman also in the infield base? It's a lot, but it seems like the outfield, this particular center field needs to get settled. Yeah, so we do have the outfield Rubik's Cube if we want to call it that, <laughs> but I think uh, some of that's going to be solved by uh, whatever happens with uh, the pitchers that they might get in a trade, because I think that's yeah. part of it. There's free agency, then there's trade, and you know, depending upon who other teams want, I think that becomes something you at least have to listen to, and that's, that's certainly above my pay grade but i expect that to happen so besides the obvious like arenado and goldschmidt who are our most valuable players on the open market to to land a couple of good pitchers Wow, that's a good. That's a really good question. I think uh, certainly uh, 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 Gorman is valuable. I think everybody wants Gorman. Everybody wants the young guys too. I and mean, you know, yeah. you might say, you know, maybe all three of those guys. And in fact, to, to say Gorman's not a young guy is probably a misstatement too, because he's mm-hmm. still very, very young. So you, I think everybody wants the guys where they can they can have more years of them and and continue to watch them grow. And uh, so you know, it's interesting. I, I don't really know. It, 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 I think. You know, you, you might say, I think Tommy Edmonds more valuable to us, and I'll take him as an example because yep. that's one I'm yep. pretty familiar with. I think he's more valuable to us than he would be to anybody else because we see him play every day, see what he see what he does to kind of beat you, and the numbers don't always kind of add up to that unless you're unless you're watching him play. Totally agree. I I, I love him. I love yeah. him. I love all those guys. I, I, I love our t- platooning. Yeah. Yeah. And you want guy, you want the right guys in the clubhouse for the culture too, and that's something Ollie's trying to trying to continue to look towards is make sure the culture's right. All right. Uh, thank you, Rick. Good luck to Wayno tonight, and we'll talk to you soon. You bet, guys. Good to visit. DGS with the Think Tank coming up at the top of the hour. Dave Murray joins us. Hello, Dave. Howdy. 
Uh, I want to tell that story on the air here um, real quick because I think it's an amazing story. You know, whenever you think about, like, the chances of any one of us being alive are almost zero just with all the things that had to happen and if this ever happened to your grandpa XYZ. So uh, I've already mentioned a couple of times I took my mom to Bill Clockengay's funeral today, 99, uh, uh, a veteran, and talking to his kids, Karen and Kevin, and they said they recently learned, they didn't know this, that Bill was in Normandy and that uh, anyone who knows much about Normandy, I forget the name of the boats. I want to say Johnson Bill, but I don't think that's right. But they were these flat bottom boats that this guy had invented. And... Uh, that's what they, if you've always seen Normandy and they're taking the troops up and then the front opens up and they go running up on the beach. And he was uh, on a ship about to be lowered into the water. And uh, on D-Day, it was just terrible weather. They almost didn't go. It was terrible weather. Mm-hmm. And he was watching as several boats were swamped and his fellow soldiers were drowned. I mean, there were so many soldiers drowned on D-Day. They'd mm-hmm. never even made it to the beach. And he was one of the very first boats that they said, stop it. We're, the weather's too bad. The ocean's too bad. We're just going to lose all these guys before they ever hit the beach. And he stayed on the ship at that moment. Had he been lowered down, he probably doesn't survive, which means Kevin right. and Karen aren't born, which means boom, 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 boom. Things like that are just, first of all, it's fascinating historically. Right, right. And just to think like, you know, had I been on one of those boats about to be lowered down, I hope I'd have been like, lower it. I'm going to go kill me some Germans. But I might have been like, uh, I'm off. <laughs> you know, like, I'm not going to do that. And it's just amazing. I mean, we call them the greatest generation for a reason. And uh, and just that whole thing, like how close it came to there not being any more clocking gays. It's just weird to me. Yep. Yep. It always, I, yeah, and, my dad. Yeah. My, my dad was in the Navy. And uh, his the ship he was on was, as you mentioned, the weather was terrible. And uh, their ship was a little bit delayed because of the weather. Otherwise, he would have been right in the thick of it. Huh. Same kind of story. Wow. Same kind of story. You know, who knows? Who yeah. knows? Yeah. Yeah, my dad was in the Navy as well. Isn't that crazy? Our dads were in the Navy at the same time. And uh, yeah. and he was on, you, you name any South Pacific island that there were major battles, he was pretty much there. Um uh, and, you know, just so easily could have not made it back. Anyway, I just thought that was a pretty amazing story. They didn't even learn well, it until just like yeah. very, very recently. Because mm-hmm. you know why? Those guys didn't talk about it. No, they no. don't talk about it. No, I had to get, I had to pull teeth to get that story out of my dad. Yeah, we were talking about it during the break. So my grandfather was in World War II and he was a gunner on a on a bomber in the South Pacific. They got shot down. He got shot. Had all these, you know, a couple scars in his leg from the bullets and all that, or shrapnel maybe, I don't know. But the only person he ever told those stories to was me, and I was like four and five years old at the time. Like, I, he, he would tell me these stories about what he went through, but he would, like, glorify it a little bit, make it like a big story for me to think it was yeah. cool. And I told my, I was I, a kid, I didn't think anything of it. And then when my grandmother was probably late 70s, I had mentioned that when we're all having dinner, and she and my mom already looked at me and goes, he never said that stuff to anybody. My dad didn't talk about the war until he had Alzheimer's. Oh. And yeah. this is weird. Anyone who's ever been through uh, Alzheimer's can tell you this. Mm-hmm. It's usually true. My dad had no idea who he was. He had no idea who I was. He had no idea where he was. But he could tell you in detail what happened uh, during World War II. Wow. 
It was really amazing. He knew it, everyone's- It's really strange. That's exactly what happened with me. Wow. Is my dad, you know, it was, you know, he couldn't remember what he had for breakfast uh, and couldn't remember. I mean, he, you could give him a newspaper. He would read it over and over again, wouldn't remember anything. Mm-hmm. But you got him talking about World War II or when he was a teenager, things like that. Man, it was fascinating. It would just overflow. Almost wow. an even better memory than you would expect. Like, it, yes. like all the energy got put in those synapses. Mm. Like my dad, he knew everyone's name back then. He knew stories about each and every one. He would, could recall days. I remember this day that this happened, and on the same day that that happened, and it was very, uh, it was very interesting. But it was also very sweet because it almost you could almost tell Dave. I don't know if your dad was like this, but being able to remember something made him very happy. Absolutely. And it was and it made me happy. It made Janice happy just to sit there and listen to him. I yeah. mean, just pull back, take all the time in the world. And uh, the, you know, those are treasured moments when, when your your parents, a mom or a dad is, you know, towards the end of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how much longer can we count on this beautiful weather? Yeah, let's just keep it right through the weekend. Um, you know, 52 for overnight lows, 78 for highs, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. There's going to be a weak Alberta clipper that's going to kind of pass to our north over the weekend. There might be a sprinkle Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, and again, Sunday afternoon. Downplay it really big time. Basically, it's a dry weekend. Saturday, partly sunny, 75. Sunday, 78 and partly sunny skies. Hurricane Lee is still out in the Atlantic, kind of churning away. It will probably get back to a Category 4 or Category 5 storm. It's slowing down a little bit. It still is a major hit for Nova Scotia, eastern Canada, though I still think portions of Cape Cod, maybe eastern Maine, are going to get hammered by this this thing. It's going to be a massive storm. It's going to be over 600 miles in diameter. However, by the time it gets up into the New England area in eastern Maine, it'll probably be a category one, category two, because the ocean temperatures are so much colder there. I was just thinking about that. We think so much about, well, it's not going to hit land. Who cares? Think of all the shipping lanes and you know all of those oh, yeah. enormous ships out there going through all that. And it's going to produce tremendous rip currents, tremendous waves up and down the East Coast, already starting to do that. So there's going to be a lot of rip currents, a lot of beach erosion, even though the storm itself will primarily be out to sea. But it's going to be really close. And we've been talking about this for over a week. There still is a tendency for this thing to squeeze a little bit to the west. Every inch it makes to the west, it becomes a bigger concern. Dave, uh, before I let you go, do you know if your dad was ever in the South Pacific or was he in a different No, he, he, he was strictly in, in the Europe, Europe theater. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. That would have been too weird. Oh, that would have been weird. If you and I met and our dads were like on the same island at some point, like that's. <laughs> yeah, or on the same ship or something yeah. like that. You know? Yeah. What if they fought together? Thing. My dad was on LST number 474, and hmm. you can Google it and see pictures of it, and that screws me up. Hmm. Like, that's it. <laughs> yeah. right, that's yeah. it right there. Yep. There's, a, there's a tattoo. Maybe I should get that one. Uh, <laughs> all right, Dave. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. All righty. 352 DGS. Can I say something personal and schmaltzy? It could be because I'm really tired. It could be because I went to a funeral today. I'm so lucky. I love this job. I was just bitching about it a couple of breaks ago. And shut up. Like, I haven't really worked in 24 years. 
That's crazy. Who gets to do that? Who gets to, like, do something I would do for free? Don't tell Steve that. And, like, for a job. It's crazy. We're so lucky. Yep. We are very lucky. We really are. And every time we're like, we work so darn hard around here. It's like we do, but also like the people who listen are definitely working harder at their real people jobs. I'm just grateful that they're listening and I don't want to insult anyone by being like, I'm tired from my work where I get to entertain people. And now and then I'm reminded of that. You know, I'm just like, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that either. Mm -hmm. So thank you to everyone for making that possible. Uh, Headlines. Headlines is brought to you by Schnooks. Download the Schnooks Rewards app and earn 2% back on every purchase. A Boston man broke the world pogo stick record and raised some money for veterans along the way. James Romulitis, who previously held the record at one point during the 2010s, regained the record again on Saturday, September 9th. He jumped more than 100,000 times in a row on a pogo stick, which easily beat the current record of 88,047 times in a row. This will surprise no one. But I was a pogo guy. Were you? I don't know how many I could do now, but I went through a summer where Eddie O'Neill had a pogo stick, and I'm like, I'm going to be a pogo stick guy. And uh, and that's pretty much what I did for a whole summer. Nice. I think my record might have been three hops without falling. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if I've ever successfully hopped once because I always thought like, oh, if I get my hands on a pogo stick, it's over for you people. Yeah. But then like once you use it, it's like this is really pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Did you ever, you ever seen the acrobatic pogo boys? Where like they bounce and they'll they do flips and do and I'm like, what in the world? There's always someone better. Yeah. And there's always someone way better. Yeah. TikTok has made me never want to play drums again. <laughs> for real. Like all these Eight-year-olds who can play like Neil Peart. I'm just like, what did I miss? You know, like, what the hell's going on? How are people so good so fast these days? Well, they probably took lessons from the age of like two. Yeah. And access. And yeah, access is a huge thing. And obviously their parents care enough to push them in that direction to where they're buying them like the filming equipment. I knew it was my parents' fault. I knew it. Dang it. It's not their fault. I'm just saying like these kids are... They're getting a lot of help. Do you guys see anything like that? Things that you do that you go, what the hell are you doing? How are you doing that? How is that humanly possible? Yeah, every time I watch good baseball players. There's this drummer, I don't know his name. He's a Middle Eastern guy with a big, long black beard. uh, Groove master, something like that. And other drummers now do TikToks just watching him. Yep. And what he does seems impossible. Not like good, not like great, like... That's not possible. You only have four limbs. How are you doing that? Yeah, one of the, I can't remember what song it was, but one of them, he's playing just with one hand and drinking a water with the oh, other yeah. hand. Yeah. He can play better with one hand. Yeah. Then it's crazy. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.